Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3. Now, before we get started in our study, you have to make sure that you listen to our study. It's called the Introduction to Galatians, and then Galatians chapter 1 and Galatians chapter 2. It's very important to have this backdrop of what is happening among the saints in Galatia because there was this urging for them to start to do the works of the law. I shouldn't say start to do the works of the law. There was this, they were doing the works of the law. Very, very hardcore uh, subject matter. And when you have this backdrop of the introduction in Galatians 1 and 2, you'll understand more because from here on out, it's pretty hardcore. It, we've already looked at some hardcore passages. I mean, in, in, in Galatians 1 verse 6, when Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. That's hardcore. And there are hardcore things that Paul brings up, and we've looked at them in chapter 1 and chapter 2, and it continues in chapter 3. And here we go in verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians! Exclamation point. Whoa. I don't think Paul would be well received in the church today. Oh, we're supposed to be loving. Let's just love on these people and let God take care of the rest. Well, that's very common among the apostate church. But what the Bible says is that yes, God takes care of things, but he uses his vessels, such as vessel Paul, such as vessel Chloe, such as vessel Titus, such as vessel Timothy. Now, the Lord takes care of things himself too. But when we see that in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, that's more judgment and wrath. You see, I don't think Paul would be well, well liked, well received in the church today. He says this, Oh, foolish Galatians. Now, foolishness here translates as unintelligent, sensual, foolish, and unwise. The inability to comprehend, the inability to heed, the inability to consider, the inability to perceive, the inability to think, the inability to understand, and the inability to exercise the mind. Paul is saying that to saints. You foolish Galatians! Exclamation point. Why? Why does he call them foolish? Well, we see in chapter 1, verse 6, they're turning to a diff different gospel. Remember in chapter 2, how these, in chapter 2, verse 4, these pseudodelphos, these false brethren, they're secretly brought in and they're smuggled in by stealth. Why? Well, at the end of verse 4, that they might bring us into bondage. If you remember our study in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we see how these servants of Satan can enter a fellowship, enter a church, enter a mind. Remember how Paul exposes fear that your minds can be corrupted? Spiritual warfare, understanding that Satan presents himself as an angel of light. And he says, Paul says of the ministers of Satan, the servants of Satan, he says, no wonder. No wonder that they present themselves as ministers of righteousness, but they're evil to the core. And here in chapter 3, verse 1, oh foolish Galatians, because they wanted to do the works of the law, the festivals, the feasts the Sabbath, the works of the law, all these things written in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers, a little bit in Exodus, all these things written in the law. You see? And then don't forget, man, I, I shouldn't say don't forget, we've studied this from time to time. 
But in chapter 4, verse 21, not to get ahead of myself, but in chapter 4, verse 21, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? You see, what is happening to the saints here? What is happening to Galatia? Do you not hear the law? He asked them. Do you not hear the law? Now, it just so happens that we're studying the law that, that we're in the, the Deuteronomy on Wednesdays. You know, we, we study the Old Testament on Wednesdays, the New Testament on Sundays. And it just so happens that we're in the last book of the Torah. But we must have ears to hear and understand what the Torah says. Remember, Moses wrote about me, Jesus Christ says. The Pharisees, they all oh, were hardcore. We believe in Moses. We do the things of Moses. Jesus says, how? How can you? Moses wrote about me, he says. You see? Oh, foolish Galatians. In chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Who is it, Galatians? Who has bewitched you? And this bewitching is demonic, it's satanic, it's to be under seduction, to be seduced and cast under a spell. And this is what happens when there is a performance of the works of the law and a doing of the law. You see? And that's what the saints in Galatia were doing. And he says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Very interesting. It is disobedience. It is disobedience to be doing these works of the law, the Sabbath, the feast, the festivals. And we're going to, you know, from here on out, I mean, Galatians is a hardcore book, but from here on out, it's going to intensify in its hardcore nature because it's jolting. It's very jolting because these the Torah is... Biblical. It's in the Bible. I mean, Genesis to Deuteronomy, the first five books of Moses, the Pentateuch, it's in the Bible. And so a lot of times what happens, people say, oh, it's in the Bible, so I'm going to do this. Well, okay, but do you not hear the law? It's very important for all of us, myself included, we're in the same boat, for all of us to have ears to hear. You see? The Pharisees, oh, we're hardcore, we follow Moses and the Lord said, Jesus Christ, our Lord, the fulfillment of the law. He says, Moses wrote about me. You see? And those who follow Jesus Christ, they have ears to hear. The, the Pharisees who became Christians, they believe in Jesus Christ, such as Nicodemus. They have ears to hear. And they understand that the law points to Jesus Christ. Now, it's beautiful when we see that and we, 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 we studied that. Remember the first Hebrew roots movement in the Bible? Well, we studied that in the book of Acts. Listen to our study, the introduction to Galatians. Now, a problem is, okay, now that you have these Pharisees that believe in Jesus Christ, praise be to the Lord, okay, now you got to let go of the law. Now you got to let go of and, and understand, okay, to hear the law and understand what the law teaches, what the law says. That's why Jesus Christ says, Moses wrote about me you see and so we continue in verse one who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes jesus christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified you see 
Now, remember where we ended last week in chapter 2, verse 21. He says, if righteousness comes through the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain. And he's saying here in verse 1, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. He did not die in vain. These are hardcore questions. Who has bewitched you, Galatians? Who has bewitched you, saints? The questions persist. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, we have this backdrop of our study through Romans, and in Romans 10, we see that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Did you receive the Spirit? Notice the capital S, the Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law? No. No. It came by the hearing of faith. He came by the hearing of faith. Remember, A lot of times people think, okay, I'm a Christian. I have the Holy Spirit. I have the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I'm a Christian. Well, hold on a second. When you listen to our study through the book of Acts and you see the passage where Philip is the evangelist and Philip, he goes into town and he evangelizes and people become Christians. They believe in Jesus Christ. But then Paul comes into town and he perceives that the Holy Spirit had not fallen on anybody. You see, so you have a, a group of believers, a little church ecclesia. And yet, the Holy Spirit isn't in any of them, the new believers. And then Peter lays hands on them, and the Holy Spirit falls on all of them, save one. Simon, the Holy Spirit bypassed Simon. Why? Because of the wickedness that was in his heart, and the Lord knew. The Lord knew, okay? The Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, boom, it's for these people. Philip or uh, uh, Simon, no. We're going to skip over him. Why? Because of the wickedness that was in his heart. Listen to our study through Acts and you'll understand. This is the same question that Paul is asking about the Holy Spirit that they received. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the law? Did you perform the feasts and the festivals and keep the Sabbath? And did you do, do, do the, uh, the, 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 the Ten Commandments? Did you do all these things? Did you, and in doing those things, Did you receive the Holy Spirit by doing those things? The answer is no. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The answer is no. But still a hardcore question to pose to saints who wanted to do the works of the law. Not just wanted, they were doing the works of the law. He says this again in verse 3. Are you so foolish? That's hardcore. Are you so foolish? Question mark. Remember, foolishness here is in the same word as in verse 1. The same exact word, which is to be unintelligent, sensual, foolish, unwise, inability to comprehend, inability to heed, inability to consider, inability to perceive, inability to think, inability to understand, inability to exercise the mind. And that's what Paul is saying here. Again, calling them foolish. Are you so foolish? Question mark. You see, the pastor to the people. Pastor Paul to the saints in Galatia. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? You see, the law. You see, How many times do you hear us in our study through the Torah in Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, observe Israel under the law, uh, uh, according to the flesh. Observe Israel according to the flesh. 
Well, we say it for a reason. Paul brings up the question right here. Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh, which is the law? Now, we're in the flesh. My beautiful brother, my beautiful sister, we're in the flesh. But we're not of the flesh. You see? We're of the spirit. We don't obey the flesh. We obey the Holy Spirit in obedience to the word of God. You see? We obey the Lord. This is a big problem that happened in the saints in Galatia. They wanted to do the works of the law. And remember, the, the problem that Paul had with Peter when he publicly rebuked him when we studied last week in chapter 2. Are you so foolish, he says. And then he says in verse 4, Have you suffered so many things in vain? Now today we have the evangelical movement, which is growing in popularity. Pastor, I should say pastors, former pastors, a lot of pastors' kids. Ministry leaders, kids, Christian singers, former Christian singers, they're having this evangelical movement, they call it. They say, oh yeah, we were so intolerant when we were Christians. We were so intolerant and we don't want to be that way anymore. And so we're, we no longer believe in Jesus Christ. We are evangelicals, and we're now tolerant and all these things. This is all in fulfillment of prophecy, the great apostasy, which will come to pass and it is already happening. This is a question that Paul is posing. Did you suffer so many things in vain? Remember, the cost of being a Christian at this particular time, it was getting heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. Was that all in vain, Galatia? If indeed it was in vain. I, I love that so much because Paul retains hope. Hope. He's going to jolt them. He's already jolting them. I mean, you're rocking them to the core. I mean, remember in, in chapter 1, verse 6, when he says, Hey, you know, I, I'm blown away that you are turning away so soon to a different gospel. You're turning away from Jesus Christ to a different gospel. And I'm blown away that you guys are doing that. And that's already jolting. But then now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes, so to speak. Did you suffer? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. I love how he just holds on to that hope. Like maybe it wasn't in vain, Galatians. Maybe this will jolt you to the core so much that you'll come back to Christ. Instead of turning your back to Jesus Christ, I marvel that you've done that. But maybe you'll turn again and face Jesus Christ and come to the cross. Therefore, he, speaking of God, who supplies the spirits to you, capital S, God who supplies the Holy Spirit to you and works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? You see, now we're going to look at these passages and see the law from its proper perspective as new covenant believers. How many times do you hear us? Remember when we studied Leviticus and Numbers, you know how certain studies have warning labels and you see these warning labels attached to our studies a lot in the Torah. How we must look at these things in the Torah as from the lens of new covenant, from the new covenant believers, as new covenant believers, standing firmly on the rock of salvation, which is Jesus Christ. You see? And that's how we study the Torah. That's how we study Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Always from the lens of the New Testament, the New Covenant. You see? 
in verse 6, just as Abraham believed God. Now, this is before the law. He's referencing Abraham here before the Ten Commandments. There was no Ten Commandments. There was only one commandment. You know what that was? Circumcision. As New Covenant believers, we know exactly what circumcision means. It's belief in Jesus Christ. You see? Belief. That was the only law that Abraham had. Circumcision. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Remember, this is before law. No command, no ten command. Moses, Moses wasn't even born here. You see? He says, verse, verse 7, Therefore, no. Not wonder, not think. Like, I wonder if this is how to know. No. Therefore, no. That only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. You see, before the law, the law, the Ten Commandments wasn't even here when Paul is referencing Abraham. Just one law, circumcision. Only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you all the nations shall be, shall be blessed. How hardcore is that? You see the gospel in the Torah. Genesis 12. The gospel in the Torah. You say, wait a second. How can the gospel be in, in the Torah? Because you see that this blessing of all nations. All nations. Not this blessing upon Israel. This blessing upon all nations. Which is Israel plus. You see? Israel plus, there's the inclusion. Who is that inclusion? Gentiles. How does that happen? Jesus Christ. You see? Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, listen, the gospel, the gospel is in the Torah. Remember Jesus Christ said, Jesus Christ says to the Pharisees, Moses wrote about me. The same thing that we see here in chapter 4, verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Do you not hear the Ten Commandments? Do you not hear the Torah? Do you not hear what Moses writes about? Do you not hear? You see? Whenever we look at the Torah, the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Torah, we must do it as new covenant believers. We, we're in the same boat, you and me. We must do it as new covenant believers. You see? And this reference point that Paul is saying here about the, uh, that, that the scripture preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you all the nations shall, shall be blessed. The only way that can happen, the only way that can happen is through Jesus Christ. You see? Pre-law. Pre-law. Pre-Ten Commandments. There was just one law. Circumcision. He says this. In verse, these, are, these are hardcore passages. I must say, if you're in the Hebrew Roots movement, I love you. I love you. I love you. I mean, if you're not, I love you too. But if you are, I love you. And I have this to say to you. Come out of her, my people. Come out of her, my people. If righteousness comes through the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain. You see? I understand the desire. I understand, you know, this 
this pull. I understand. I mean, after all, I mean, the, the Torah is in the Bible. The Torah is in the Bible. It's it's biblical. But when I say we look at the Torah through the lens of the new covenant and standing on the rock as new covenant believers, we have to understand that, yes, the law is holy, but there's a purpose behind the law. There's a functionality to this lesser glory. The law is still holy, but there's a functionality behind the lesser glory. It points to the greater glory, which is Jesus Christ. He says in verse 9, So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. That's hardcore. That's hardcore. Because now what's happening is that you and me today, I'm, you know, if you're Gentile, if you're a Gentile believer in Jesus Christ, you and me today are blessed with believing Abraham because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Now you see the family tree, the lineage, the promises that God gave to Abraham. Well, it includes you and me and all who believe in Jesus Christ. And it is of faith. And this, this is all before Moses wasn't even born yet. You see? So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many, in verse 10, are as are of the works of the law, are under the curse. That's the danger of the Hebrew Roots Movement. As many as are, are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, this is from Deuteronomy 27, it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You see, Brother James in James chapter 2 verse 10 says, You break one point of the law, you break all of it. You see? And if you break all of it, you're forever under the curse of the law. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Remember, we're studying these passages in the Old Testament. And we see Mount Horeb, Sinai. And yes, it is beautiful. But understand that that mountain is death. Because in the law is death. You see? And Israel, they leave Horeb into the promised land. They leave Sinai into the promised land. You see? It's very important. If you're Hebrew roots, just these very words that I say are painful to hear. But you must hear them. Sorrowful to hear, but you must hear them, knowing that godly sorrow leads to repentance. Just as we studied in 2 Corinthians, godly sorrow leads to repentance, and it's very, very beautiful. I'm going to read from our study, or if you remember our study in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. Godly sorrow. In chapter 7, 2 Corinthians, verse 11. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. And I pray, if you're in the Hebrew Roots Movement and you're listening, I pray that you do have sorrow. But I pray that it's godly sorrow. Not worldly sorrow. 
godly sorrow. Because look what happens with this godly sorrow of realizing like, wait a second, I've been doing the works of the law. I've been observing the feasts and the festivals. I've been observing the, the Sabbath. I've been observing all these things. And now you're made sorrowful. And I pray that it's done in a godly manner because of what, what is written here in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 11, for observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication in all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. You see, there's a clearing because now with the realization of, wait a second, I'm in the wrong. Well, with repentance comes beautiful things. And if you're in the Hebrew Roots Movement, Come out of her, my people, you must repent. Because salvation does not come through the law. Righteousness does not come through the law. It comes through the fulfillment of the law, Jesus Christ. Now we go back to Galatians 3. And we see in Galatians 3 how in verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. And remember, remember what James says, chapter 2, verse 10 of James. You break one, you break them all. You see? He says this in verse 11, the Pharisee of Pharisees, the student of Gamaliel says this, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, is clearly made manifest. Now, remember, Paul is has just called them foolish Galatians. He has just asked them a series of questions. Who has seduced you? Who has cast you under their spell? You see, is your walk in vain? This is to the saints, to the church of Galatia. And he says, For the just shall live by faith. An Old Testament re reference to Habakkuk. From the Old Testament. And the just shall live by faith. Not the law. Not the law. We've already skipped the law. I mean, Paul bypassed Moses and went to Abraham. No Ten Commandments, just one commandment, circumcision. Belief. We know what circumcision means as New Covenant believers. Remember our study through Romans? Listen to our study through Romans. You'll know what circumcision means. It's belief in Jesus Christ. He continues in verse 12. Yet the law, the Ten Commandments, yet the law is not of faith. Very interesting. <laughs> The law is not what we're studying on Wednesdays and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, these reference points of the law. It's not a faith. You hear us say from time to time, observe Israel according to the flesh. How many times do you hear us say that? Observe Israel according to the flesh. That is according to the flesh. Emphasis on according to the flesh, the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. You and me, we are not of the flesh. We believe in Jesus Christ. And we walk in according to the Spirit, in accordance to the Spirit. You see? Yet the law in verse 12 is not of faith. But the man who does them shall live by them. You see? Now, we know that the law is death. 
and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is condemnation in the law. Remember our study through Romans. So what does this mean? The law is not a faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. You know who that man is? Verse 13, Christ, Christ, Jesus Christ. I meant in verse 12, when he says the man who does them, I meant put a capital M there. It's Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ, the man who does them shall live by them. In verse 13, because you and me, according to the law, we, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's not to use it as an excuse. Well, you know, all have sinned, so now let's sin. No, it's, you know, we're all sinners. People say, oh, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. That's a cop-out. That's a cop-out. Yes, we're all sinners, but let's move on to perfection. Let's grow. Let's mature in Christ. Let's reckon the old man dead, reckon the old woman dead. And just as we studied last week, let us all be crucified with Christ no longer living, but allowing Christ to live inside of us. You see, in order for that to happen, you and me, we have to die spiritually. The old man, the old woman, dead. But yet, who is the one who has done the works of the law? It's not of faith. Remember, verse 12, the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You see, what is that? You say, Christ died. How could he? Exactly, he died, but he rose again. He lives. You see, he lives. And the man who did the law lives by the law. You see, not lowercase m, speaking of you and me. Uppercase m, man, Jesus Christ. You see, and he died. Yes, crucified, but he was rose again and he lives all in accordance to the law. Does that mean that we now do the works of the law? Absolutely not. I'll add exclamation point. Absolutely not. In verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Remember the curse, the curse in verse 10, referencing Deuteronomy 27, referencing the Torah. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. No, Christ did that. The Lamb without blemish, capital L, the Lamb without blemish, the spotless Lamb, sinless, sinless. And in verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed, referencing the Torah and Deuteronomy 21, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. You see, the penalty of the law is fulfilled. He died for my sin and your sin. You see, and all who believe. The penalty of the law is fulfilled. You see, for the Hebrew roots, if you're in the Hebrew roots, Hebrew roots movement, if that is you, remember and understand and know. Don't wonder. Know that the law is not of faith. You see? And if you're doing the works of the law, knowing that there's no justification in the works of the law, you, my friend, are outside of Christ. 
you see? Because he is the man, capital M, who has done them. And he died cursed of the law. But he rose again. You see? And I, for the Hebrew, if you're in the Hebrew roots, I don't hate you. This isn't like, you know, oh, how dare you, how dare you, how dare you. If you're in the Hebrew roots movement, how you have a sincere love of God and a sincere fear of Him, which is absolutely beautiful. But Satan cast the strongest of spells using the Bible. You know, sometimes people say, oh, the Lord just spoke to my heart and the Lord, the Lord wants me to do this and the Lord spoke to my heart and he confirmed it in the Bible. I say, which passage? And if it's something from Matthew to Revelation, I say, okay, it could be Satan. It could be Satan. Tell me more. And somebody, oh, the Lord just spoke to my heart. He wants me to do this. And the Lord is confirming it here. And the Lord is confirming it. And this is how he's doing it. And, you know, oh, the Lord just spoke to my heart. Isn't he good? Okay. Which passage? Which passage? Okay. So the person says, okay, it was in uh, Judges through Malachi. Okay. Somewhere in Judges through Malachi. Okay. It could be Satan. Oh, but the Lord spoke to my heart. And, you know, he confirmed it in his word. Which passage? Genesis, okay, okay. It could be Satan. It could be Satan. Genesis, it could be Satan. Uh, Judges through Malachi, it could be Satan. Matthew to Revelation, it could be Satan. Tell me more. Let's let's confirm this. It, it, let's look for the it is also written. But somebody says, oh, the Lord spoke to my heart and he confirmed it in his word. Which passage? Well, it was in Exodus it was in Numbers. It was in Leviticus. It was in Deuteronomy. Now, from my perspective, I don't say it could be Satan. From my perspective, I say it is likely Satan. You see, it is likely Satan. Not to say that, you know, it is absolutely Satan. But anywhere in the Bible, oh, the Lord confirmed it here. The Lord confirmed it here. Remember, Satan knows the Bible. He presents himself as an angel of light. And yes, it could be an attack of Satan. You know, oh, the Bible says that, you know, uh, the, the, the stand, he, Satan goes to Jesus and says, go on the top of this temple and then jump down because it is written, the angels will bring you down safely. And it's true, biblical truth, quoting scripture. And then Jesus says, it is also written, you see, using the Bible. And a lot of times people say, oh, the Lord is speaking to me. The Lord showed me this. The Lord wants this. And he confirmed it in his word. Where? Exodus. Okay. I don't say it could be Satan. Instead, I say it is likely Satan. Because he uses the Torah. To God-fearing and God-loving people, he uses the Torah as a trap. You see? Now... I say to God-loving and God-fearing people, you know, because, which is beautiful. It is very beautiful. But there are still traps to be aware of. Now, if you're not God-fearing, you're not God-loving, say you're lukewarm, well, Satan doesn't need to use the Torah on you. He can use, you know, 
sex, drugs, all these different things, alcohol, he can use the parties, he can use the strippers, he can use all kinds of different things. That's not you. He's, he's, he's not going to use the Torah on you. He's not going to use, you know, he probably won't even use the Bible on you. He'll use the strippers on you. He'll use the drug pushers on you. He'll use, you know, money on you. He'll, he'll use other things on you. But when you love the Lord and you fear the Lord, Satan changes his strategy. He uses the Bible, yes. Any, any type of attack can be from the Bible that Satan uses, just as he did with Jesus Christ. But when it's in the Torah, it's not just, it could be a satanic attack. It is likely to be satanic. And, you know, that includes Genesis too. But when you exclude Genesis and you just have those four books, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it's very likely to be Satan. You see? Not, not all. We have to look for it is also, you know, the it is also written. But sometimes people will say, oh, you know, yeah, the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me from Leviticus. The Lord spoke to me from Deuteronomy. The Lord spoke to me from, you know, the Lord spoke to me from uh, Numbers. The Lord spoke to me from here. Okay, what did, what did he say? Oh, he, he wants me to observe the Sabbaths. Nope. You see? Oh, he wants me to do the feasts and the festivals. Nope. Oh, yeah, the, the Lord, he confirmed it, you know, and, you know, the Lord confirmed it and he wants me to uh, 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 do all these other things of the law. He wants me to do these works of the law. Nope. You see? It's a trap. Now, that's only to God-loving and God-fearing people. If you're lukewarm, that's not for you. If you're lukewarm, repent and be lukewarm no more. Be on fire, white, hire, white, white hot for the Lord. If you're lukewarm, Satan won't use the Bible on you. Satan will use the strippers, the drugs, the alcohol, the sex, the pornography. He'll use other things, things of the world. Because you're like a, instead of, you know, going fishing for a, a, a shark or whales, he's just fishing for little tadpoles. You're easy, you know? I mean, not... I know that sounds harsh to say it that way, but I mean, proof is in the pudding. You're easy. Remember, Satan's a fisherman too. You see, Satan's not going to use the Bible to attract you and trap you. He'll use the strippers. He'll use the pornography. He'll use the crack. He'll use the meth. You're easy. You're a piece of cake for him. But when you love the Lord and you fear the Lord, he'll use the Bible. And he'll use the Bible. And when he uses the Bible, you must, you must have the it is also written, you see, because, and if it's in those four books of Moses, excluding Genesis, if it's in those four books of the law, the Torah, it is likely to be Satan because he knows you love the Lord. He knows you fear the Lord. And what he wants to do is get you to leave the Lord. Unsuspect, you being unsuspecting, if that's you, you say, well, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible, so I'm going to do this. The Bible says this, and yes, absolutely, the Bible does say it. But we study the Torah from the lens of the New Covenant. We study the Torah on the rock of the New Covenant, on the rock of Jesus Christ. So picture you and me. We're standing firmly on the rock of salvation. And for the Wednesdays where we study the Old Testament and we look back on, on the Torah, we're standing there with a big telescope, and that's our lens of the new covenant looking way back, way back to the writings of Moses. You see? 
the law. Because remember, in the law is death. You see? And also remember verse 12. The law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. That man is Jesus Christ, who became the curse. You see? Innocent. He died innocently, but he died as the curse. That was the wages of my sin and the wages of your sin. You see? And he lived, you know, you say, on, on day two, say we know everything we know today, but on day, the first day that he died, we say, wait a second, how could that be? He doesn't live. He, he died and he's in the tomb. Okay. You would be right. You know, you would be, I mean, I can, we could look at prophecy, but you would be right on day one. Day two, you would be right. You know, if you didn't understand the prophecies, you would be right. But on day three, he rose again on the third day. You see? In accordance to the law. And he lives. You see? It's not for you and me to go and start doing the works of the law. I mean, we're studying, you know, Leviticus. Okay, let's go sacrifice animals now. Oh, you know, let's let's do the Sabbath now. Let's do all these things. Let's do the feasts and the festivals. I'm, I'm a Gentile. I, I, I'm a, just so you know, I'm a Gentile. I'm not Jewish. You see, it's not for us to go go and start doing these works of the law, but for you and me in our belief in Jesus Christ to abide in Him as the Man, capital M, who has done the works of the law. Jesus Christ. You see? It's very important. And if you're Hebrew roots, remember that that mountain, Horeb, is death. You see? Oh, but the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me. He wants me to do the feasts and the festivals. He wants, where did he speak? Did he confirm it in his word? Yes. Okay. Well, what does he say he wants you to do? He wants me to observe the Sabbaths. No. No. The spirit of the living God will never lead a soul into the law. A different spirit will. A different spirit will, lowercase as a different spirit will. Satanic, demonic. But not the spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit of the living God. You see? Oh, but he confirmed it multiple times and he told me this in Numbers. He told me this in Leviticus. He told me this in, in Deuteronomy. He told me this in Exodus. He told me this. Look at all these confirmations I have. No, look at all those traps you have. You see? Righteousness doesn't come through the law, my friend. I love you. And if you're Hebrew roots and you've been in Hebrew roots for a long time, these are painful, painful passages to look at. Because what you have to do is let go of the Hebrew roots. Understand that it's a trap. Now, of the teachers of the Hebrew roots movement that I have met and I have talked to and had long conversations with and received death threats, death, death threats from, you know, in, in, in doing the works of the law, you know, they want to kill me. <laughs> of those teachers of the law, I find the most, the highest concentration of sexual deviance 
the highest concentration of perverts. You know why? Because they like the, the wives and concubines. And you look at the Hebrew Roots movement, that's step one into a cult. Step two into the cult, it gets deeper. Then you start to see wife sharing, wife swapping. And I know these are very, very disgusting things. But it's a trap of Satan. And Satan has his ministers who present themselves as ministers of righteousness. And they use the Torah. You see? They use the law. And I speak to the living. Come out of her, my people. You see, oh, but the Lord confirmed it in his word. The Lord spoke to me and he wants this. The Lord spoke to me and he wants that. Where did, where did he confirm it in his word from? Well, he confirmed it in Numbers. He confirmed it in Deuteronomy. He confirmed it in Exodus. He confirmed it in Leviticus. I'm not going to say it's likely, Satan. It's very, 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 very likely, Satan. You see, a different spirit. Now, this is, I have to emphasize this. I, I've said it already, but I'm going to say it again. This is only if you love and fear the Lord. You see, it's only if you love and fear the Lord. Because if you're lukewarm, you're, you're Satan has to fish for a tadpole. You're a piece of cake. You're easy. Now, when you love and fear the Lord, you're not like a trout you're not a, a salmon. You're not a sturgeon. You're, you're like a tuna. It's much harder for Satan to catch you, to trap you, to trick you. So what does he do? He uses his perverted servants. You see? Perverted servants. To say, okay, you see that whale over there? You see that shark over there? You see that tuna over there? Go get them and use the Torah, use Deuteronomy, use Numbers, use Leviticus, use Exodus, you see? And the unsuspecting tuna, the unsuspecting shark, the unsuspecting whale hears that and says, well, it's in the Bible. And yes, God does say this. Yes, God does say that. So therefore, I'm going to do it. But remember, we stand on the rock of salvation. The very promises that Paul here is referencing bypasses Moses. It goes before law. Moses wasn't even born yet. He points to Abraham. You see, he points to Abraham. If you're Hebrew roots, if you're Hebrew roots, you're outside of Christ in doing the works of the law. You are outside of Christ. And I love you. I have this to say to you. Come inside. Come inside and abide in Christ. And he in you. Where his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Let's continue. In verse 14. In verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. You see, remember, the gospel was preached to Abraham. Remember, verse 8, uh, in you all the nations shall be, shall be blessed. You see, not in you Israel shall be blessed. No, that's not what the Lord says. Pre-Moses, pre-law, just one law, circumcision. 
belief. In you all the nations shall be blessed. Not Israel. The inclusion of Gentile nations. How does that happen? How does that happen? It happens through the man that does the law. Capital M. The man is Christ. In verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon, might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You see, we're bypassing Moses. We're bypassing the Ten Commandments. We're going to Abraham. Remember when Jesus Christ was asked the question, well, what about divorce? What about divorce? How come the law says divorce in the law? He says, Moses added that because of the hardness of your hearts. And then Jesus Christ points pre-law. You see? How, how many wives did Noah have? How many wives did Adam have? You see? He points pre-law. A lot of times the Hebrew roots teachers, not the parishioners, the teachers, they don't like to study too much in Genesis, a little bit in Genesis. But where their bread and butter is, it's in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's their bread and butter. You know why? Because of trap. Oh, but Mount Horeb, Mount Horeb. Yeah. The mountain is death. Horeb, Sinai, death. In the law is death. You see? It's, we, we study the Torah. It's not for us to do it. The man who has done them, he has done it. And we abide in him. Yes, he died, but he rose again. And we, you and me, we abide inside of him. If you're in the Hebrew roots, you are outside of Christ. And I don't want you to be outside of Christ. Satan does. His ministers do. Me, I don't want you to be outside of Christ. I want you to be inside of Christ where his yoke is easy and his burden is light, where it is safe for your soul, where it is safe for your families. You see? That we might receive in verse 14, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. No law. No law. Remember all the promises of God? The promises of God are beautiful. But the promises of God must follow the formula of God in accordance to his word, not in accordance to what Satan says, not in accordance to a different spirit with a different gospel, with a different Jesus, not in accordance to that, but in accordance to what the word says. And the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will never lead a soul into the law. Never. You see? Never. And he says here in verse 14 that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, that we might, you see? So wait, I, th I thought it was a sure thing. Well, it's a sure thing when you believe in Jesus Christ and have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you abide in Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's a sure thing. But might is a biggie. Might is a biggie. Because now comes the obedience. You see? Now comes the obedience. 
not to the Torah. Remember, not to the Torah. Obedience to the Lord. Now, excuse me. Just so you know, these long pauses, I have to drink hot tea. Pray for me because my throat is shot. It's it's pretty bad. And, uh, you know, I want to teach. I want to teach until the end. <laughs> but pray. That's why when you hear these pauses, you hear these sips, and you hear like this, the cup. Go down. I try to do it quietly, but I have to drink this tea. In verse Or coffee, something hot. In verse 15, brethren, remember? The saints in Galatia, they were doing the works of the law. But they didn't have ears to hear. You see? Just like the Pharisees, just like the Sadducees, just like the scribes. Remember, these doers of the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes that we read in the Gospels, that we see what they do to the saints in in Acts, these of the law, the doers of the law, were not just outside of Christ, But Jesus Christ calls them hypocrites, blind, whitewashed tombs, you see? And if the blind follow the blind, both will fall into a ditch. I don't want you to be in a ditch. I don't want you to be in a ditch. I want you to be inside of Christ. The man, capital M, who has done the works of the law, you see? In verse 15, brethren, I speak in the manner of man. He's going to give a worldly example here. He says, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no man, no one annuls or adds to it. Now, he references a covenant or, you know, like a, a contractual agreement is what Paul is referencing. He's speaking in the manner of men. And he says, if it is confirmed, no one annuls it or adds to it. You know, like you have marriage annulment. You know, you have a marriage annulment and you go and get it annulled and it's like the marriage never happened. You see, you, you get married and, you know, you go to the court system and say, okay, we want an annulment. You get an annulment. It's like everything was erased. That whole marriage erased. Now, what Paul is saying here, contractually speaking, in the manner of men giving a worldly example, <clears throat> he says, no one annuls it. No one annuls it. Or adds to it. Well, wait a second. What do you mean no one adds to it? Okay, well, let's continue. (laughs) Verse 16. Now to Abraham, pre-law, before Moses, Moses wasn't even born yet. To Genesis. You know, a lot of these Hebrew roots teachers, they don't like to read in Genesis. We, we look at Genesis. We look at the Torah, but we look at Genesis too. Now to Abraham and his seed. Notice the capitalization here. And his seed, referencing Genesis 22, verse 18. Now to Abraham and his seed, singularity, were the promises made. You see, remember, uh, speaking in verse 15, no one adds or uh, no one annuls or adds to it. So wait a second. What? Uh, Jesus Christ was added to the law. No, Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. He is the fulfillment of the law. So wait a second. So if Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law, then Jesus Christ was added to the law. Was he? Was he? Now what Paul is doing here, this Pharisee of Pharisees, the student of Gamaliel, he refers to pre-law, bypassing Moses and goes pre-law to Abraham and his seed, 
capital S, were the promises made. He does not say, <clears throat> and to seeds, notice, seeds, plural, and S, lowercase. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, this is from Genesis 22, verse 18, the seed is singular. Remember, the seed is singular. And remember that the gospel scripture preached the gospel to Abraham. The word became flesh. Preached the God in verse 8 to preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations, all nations shall be blessed. Not Israel. The inclusion of Gentile nations. How in the world does it happen if, quote unquote, if Jesus was added to the law? No, he was never added to the law. He was already there. He was already there. You see? No, no one adds or annuls, as is written in verse 15. Jesus Christ wasn't added. He was already there. In verse 16, he does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed. Who is Christ? Who is Christ? You see? It's, you have the gospel in Genesis, the gospel in the Torah, the gospel in Genesis 12, saying, like in verse 8, preach the gospel, saying, in you all the nations, all nations shall be blessed. The gospel. And before Moses was even born, we see singularity, the seed who is Christ. Just as the tabernacle has the door, capital D, so too does the Torah present this beautiful door. You see? But do you have eyes to see this door? That's my question to you, especially if you're in the Hebrew Roots movement. Come out of her, my people. Look for the door and take the door. Do you see the door? You who, as Paul says in chapter 4, verse 21, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? You see? Yes, the law speaks. Yes, the, law, the, the Torah speaks. But who are the ones who have ears to hear? That's what I want to know. You see? And so we see this <clears throat> in verse 17, Galatians 3. And this I say, that the law, the Torah, that the law, the Ten Commandments, that the law, which was 430 years later than he captures the Egyptian captivity, it was 430 years later. Abraham, when the law was, the Ten Commandments given to Moses, the tablets, Abraham was already dead. Abraham was already dead. I'll say this, prophetically speaking and scripturally speaking, he was already asleep. He was already asleep. You see? And this I say in verse 17, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ. Whoa. Remember, <clears throat> In verse 15, no one adds, no one annuls. You see? You say, wait a second, the, the, the Ten Commandments, Jesus Christ was added to the Ten Commandments. Hold up. He was there already. 
to your seed who is Christ. He was there already. And the law in verse 17, which was 430 years later, Abraham, you, you know, when you look at Abraham, Moses wasn't even born. He wasn't even alive. Now, when you look at Moses, Abraham's not alive. He's asleep. And he speaks of this law 430 years later in verse 17. Cannot annul the covenant, the law. Moses, Moses, the Ten Commandments given to Moses. Moses cannot annul or invalidate. Remember, just like the you know a marriage annulment. You know, uh, people get married and then the parents get mad. They force the annulment and then, you know, they go to the court system and they say, okay, you've been married for two months. Okay, the marriage never even happened. That two months erase never happened. No, strike it from the records. That's an annulment. And the Pharisee of Pharisees, the student of Gamaliel, is saying that the law of Moses cannot annul, cannot invalidate the covenant that was confirmed before, pre-law, before, by God in Christ. You see, you say, wait a second, you have two covenants, the old covenant and the new covenant. Yes, absolutely. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, we're as new believers, we, we are in the new covenant. We abide in Jesus Christ. But you must look further before. Look, look further beyond the Ten Commandments. Look further beyond the, 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 the covenant given to Moses. Look further beyond that. Look further past in the history. And what do you see? You see a covenant between God and Abraham. You see? By God in Christ. To Abraham, you know, in country, you know, I don't want to get. You know, I'll give a worldly example: contractual law. Well, contractual law, you know, if you have two parties to a contract, you know, and both are signatories to a contract, well, no one can change that contract except those two people, and it has to be agreed upon. So, I mean, you see addendums to contracts. Well, it has to be agreed upon. It has to be signed by both parties of the original contract. Now, Abraham is dead. He's asleep. Abraham is gone. He's, he's not alive. He's not like, you know, he, he's not with us today. You know, I'll say it like that. He's not with us today. Abraham, not with us today. Neither is Moses, but Abraham is not with us today. But God isn't dead. He is the living God. He is alive and he never changes. Contractually speaking, this contract is still in force. You see, contractually speaking, this covenant it's still in play. People say, oh, I got to do the works of Moses. I got to do the works of Moses. That's a trap of Satan. Oh, but the Lord confirmed it. The Lord wants me to do this. Oh, did he confirm it in scripture? Yes. Where did he confirm it? Numbers. Okay. Not it might be Satan. It's likely to be Satan. Where else did he confirm it? Oh, Leviticus. Okay. Now it's you, you raised the ante. Now it's more likely to be Satan. Where else did he confirm? Deuteronomy. Okay. Now it's more likely to be Satan. So now you have this you know, increasing propensity for sat a satanic attack. You say, okay, now, what is, you say it's the Lord, what does he want you to do? <clears throat> he wants me to observe the feasts and the festivals and the Sabbaths, and he wants me to do all these things because I love the Lord and I fear the Lord. Well, that's Satan. That's Satan. You love the Lord, you fear the Lord. I'm not saying you don't, you don't. I'm not saying that. But you're 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 not a little you're not a little tadpole like the lukewarm. 
You're not a little trout like the lukewarm. You're not a salmon like a baby Christian. You love the Lord. You fear the Lord. And it's a satanic attack to get you to leave Jesus Christ, to get you to leave the covenant, the new covenant. You see? It's an attack. And yet, Paul says here, Cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before. Yes, we have the covenant, which is the law. But what about the covenant before that? Knowing that no one can annul that. You see, no one can invalidate. It was confirmed before by God in Christ that it should make the promise of no effect. You see, impossible. it's still in effect. It's still applicable today. It's still applicable today. Which is why it is said that, you know, we're in, like in verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. The promises of God to Abraham includes you and me when we abide in Christ. <clears throat> in verse 18, we continue. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise. Wow. So you say, oh yeah, the Lord has confirmed it and he wants me to observe the Sabbaths. He wants me to observe the Sabbath. Now that's an attack of Satan. He wants you to leave the greater glory into the lower glory. The law is still holy. The law is still holy. But he wants you outside of Christ. You see? He wants you out. Remember, verse 12, the law is not of faith. The law is not of faith. And remember what we studied in chapter 2, verse 16. A man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And at the end of verse 16, the works of the law, by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And that's what Satan wants for you. You see, that's what say he's fishing for tuna. He's fishing for sharks. He's fishing for whale. You're not a little minnow. You're not a little tadpole. Those are easy. Those are the lukewarm. Those are the ones who Satan uses strippers and pornography and crack and meth and cocaine and the finest uh, marijuana from Chiapas, Mexico. He uses money. He uses cheating. He uses lies. He uses Buddha. He uses Mary. He uses the Krishnas. He uses all kinds of different things. But for you, he uses scripture because he knows that you love the Lord. He knows that you fear the Lord. And he wants to trap you. You see, you're not a little fish. You're a big fish and he wants to kill you. He doesn't want you to be justified by faith in Jesus Christ. He wants you to think that you're justified by the works of the law. Oh, but I'm belie- I believe that I'm being obedient to the Bible. I'm doing what Numbers says. I'm doing what Leviticus says. I'm doing what the Bible says. Look, but do you not hear the law? Do you not have eyes to see? Do you not have ears to hear? I pray that's not the case. I pray that you do have ears to hear. Come out of her, my people. In the Hebrew roots movement is 
death. Straight up. Come out of her, my people. Come into Christ, where his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so we see this in verse 18. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. You see, absolutely we can lean on the promises of God, but we must follow the blueprint. We must follow the formula. It must align with scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. Everything must align. In verse 19. Okay, so you're saying all this stuff. You know, okay, yeah, the, the law is this. and the, So your Hebrew roots are like, well, I still don't get it. Same question was posed here. And the same answer is what Paul gives in verse 19. Well, what purpose does the law serve? He says in verse 19, what purpose does the law serve? It was added. You see, instead of saying the law is the better covenant and Jesus Christ was added to the law. No. Satan twists it, you see. Satan's ministers who present themselves as ministers of righteousness, they twist it. They say, oh, Jesus Christ was added to the law. No, he wasn't. Jesus Christ was there before the law. The seed, singular. He was there before the law. It's the law that was added, you see. Satan twists it around. That's what Satan does. That's what his ministers does. Why? Because they want to trap. They want to kill you. Because remember chapter 2, verse 4, these pseudodelphos, the false brethren, secretly brought in who came by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. You see? And even of these ministers of Satan, the pseudodelphos, in verse 16, from those who seem to be something, whether they were, it makes no difference to me. I don't care if they have the doctorates. I don't care if they have the theology degrees. I don't care if they went to seminary. I don't care if they did this, that, whatever. I don't care the size of their fellowship. What do they teach? Are they Hebrew Roots Movement? Oh, that's death. Oh, but they have 5,000 people in that fellowship. It's a Hebrew Roots Movement. Look, at God is moving. That's That's a lot of dead people. That's a lot of tuna and sharks and whales and those are that's a lot of big fish in there and satan is an effective fisherman you see that's a lot of people who are outside of christ you see we are a people of the way the new come when i say the way i'm not talking about like a fellowship proper i'm speaking of jesus christ the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father but through me. Those are his words. No one comes to the Father but through me. I'm just the messenger. You say, wait a second. Well, I'm abiding in Christ. I'm abiding in Christ. And I also do the Sabbaths. I also do the feasts. I also do the festivals. No, you're trapped. You are outside of Christ. You see? And I know this is heavy. Because remember, I know Hebrew. I've had these conversations with Hebrew roots people, the parishioners, the, the pew Hebrew roots. And you love the Lord. You fear the Lord. And it is beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. And in that, I commend you. But in doing the works of the law, I do not commend you. And I say to you, come out of her, my people. Repent and abide in Christ where there is rest for your soul. You see, 
not the works of the law. No flesh is justified by the works of the law. I'm reading one of what we studied in, in chapter 2, verse 16. No flesh is justified by the law. You're trapped. It was an attack of Satan. Oh, but the Lord spoke to me. He spoke to my heart and he confirmed it in his word in Leviticus and Deuteronomy in Numbers. And the Lord wants me to do this and he wants me to go here and he wants me to do these ways. He wants me to do the feasts and the festivals and he wants me to observe the Sabbath. He wants me to do all these things. What happened is that Satan presented himself to you as an angel of light pretending to be the Lord and you bought it. You see, hook, line, and sinker. You took the bait. You know, in one sense, you know, you're not a minnow. You're not a little trout. You know, he didn't he didn't come to you with the strippers. He didn't come with you with the crack or the finest meth from Chiapas, Mexico, the gambling, you know, the pornography. He didn't come. He might have, but, you know, he knew, you know, like, I, I can't get that guy like that. I can't get this guy like that. She loves the Lord. Remember, how many times, how many times do you remember when we say Balak as a type of Satan? Balak as a type of Satan who couldn't get Israel. How do I defeat Israel? How do I? And through the counsel of Balaam, he learned, I have to get them to turn their back on the Lord. Now, for Israel, he, he didn't send the warriors down to defeat Israel. He sent the women down, you see, because he couldn't send his mighty warriors because Israel would have defeated them. And through the counsel of Balaam, he learned, all I got to do is get them to turn their back on the Lord. Well, Balak as a type of Satan today is doing the same thing. All I got to do is get them to turn their back on Jesus Christ. How do I do that? I can't do it with the crack. You know, this isn't a little minnow. This isn't a little trout. This isn't a little, you know, a, a, a little tadpole, which is a piece of cake. Those guys are easy. Those gals are easy. All I got to do is put a little uh, line of coke there and boom, got them. All I got to do is put a stripper there, put the pornography here, boom, got them. But for this guy, for this gal who loves the Lord and fear the Lord, I'm going to use the Bible, you see? And I'm going to use the Torah. All these beautiful passages, the promises of the Lord, where these, you know, it will be well for your soul, it will be good for you. The, the final discourse of Moses, all these beautiful passages spoken at Horeb, you see? What's death? Yes, it's a covenant, but there's a new covenant. It's, it's kind of sandwiched in between other covenants. You have the covenant of the law, the Ten Commandments. That's a covenant. But there's a new covenant on one side, but then there's another covenant on the other side of the law of Moses. And that's what we're looking at, this other covenant, pre-law, which in verse 17 the law, which was 400 years, 30 years later after Abraham, can, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For the, if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise. You see, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. That covenant is still in play. The covenant given, that covenant to Abraham. That is still in play. Now, the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, that's absolutely still in play. Absolutely still in play. Verse 19, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions, you see. 
How many times do you, you remember? Oh, Israel murmuring and complaining, murmuring and complaining, murmuring and complaining, transgression after transgression after transgression, and it gets more, it gets deeper, it gets bigger. These transgression, it was added. It's not Jesus Christ that was the additive, it's the law that was the additive. Satan twists, you see? It was added because of transgression, transgression, till the seed should come. It was in preparation for Jesus Christ. You see? So you hear us say that the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, it's sandwiched between two other commandments or two other covenants. The, 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 the Ten Commandments, the covenant of the, that Moses, you know, the, the, the Ten Commandments, that covenant of the law. Well, on one side is the new covenant. On the other side is an even older covenant. You see? And in both of those two covenants, what do we see? The seed, capital S, and not seeds, capital S, singular. Remember in verse 16, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. At the end of verse 16, and to your seed, who is Christ. And now we see that the law was the additive in verse 19, because of transgressions, till the seed should come. You see, the law of Moses is right smack dab in the middle of two covenants. Both one foretells the seed and the other is the seed, like the act, like the fulfillment, like the fulfillment. And so this additive of the law, the Ten Commandments, this additive points to the fulfillment of the law, points to the seed, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if you're abiding in Jesus Christ and you're seduced into doing the works of the law, justification by the works of the law, you have to get out of Christ. You have to exit Jesus Christ. Remember the door? Well, you have to take that door as an exit. I say, don't do that. Use the door as the entrance and stay where you abide in Christ and he in you. You see, that's the blueprint. That's the formula. There are other formulas, but in this regard, in this particular passage, we're looking at them, but that's the formula. The law was the additive. And it was added because of transgression, transgressions till the seed should come. You see, which was preparation for the additive of the law of Moses, the additive of the Ten Commandments, the additive of the statutes, it all is in preparation for Jesus Christ until the seed, capital S, singular, should come to whom the promise was made. You see, in verse 16, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. <laughs> and to whom the promises were made, were, were made in verse 19. And, and... In verse 19 still, it, speaking of the law, was appointed through angels. Translates as messengers. Was appointed through angels or messengers by the hand of a mediator. This translates as a go-between. You see, an intercessor. And this is Moses. You see, that's why the Pharisees, oh, we're so hardcore, we're of Moses. Not only were they blind, they were also deaf. They did not have ears to hear. They did not have eyes to see. And Jesus Christ says, what are you guys talking about? Moses wrote about me. I'm paraphrasing. But that's what he said. 
Moses wrote about me. They couldn't understand it. Why? Because they were blind and deaf. Don't forget that this covenant of Moses, this law, the Ten Commandments, yes, absolutely beautiful. There's a purpose to it. It, it is still holy. Even to this day, it is still holy. But don't forget the covenant, the other covenants, the new and the older given to Abraham. You see, don't forget the other covenants. What the Hebrew Roots Movement does, it wants you to forget. You see, it wants you to forget the slices of bread. You know, when I say slices of bread, you know, when I say like, they think of like a sandwich, you know, you have a, one slice of bread and then you put, you know, a piece of ham on it and, and, <laughs> and then you put the other slice of bread and now you have a ham sandwich. Okay, so, so don't forget that the ham there is the law, you know, <laughs> and I, I say this as new covenant, emphasis on new covenant believers Kill and eat, you know, to those who have ears. Don't forget the slices of bread, you see? Don't forget the slices of bread. Moses was a servant in the master's house, you see? By the hand of a mediator, and that's reference to Moses. He was a servant. Yes, he he gave the law in obedience to what the Lord says. You know, Moses, give this to the, give this to the people. But people think, you know, like the Pharisees, oh, we're hardcore. We're not going to do what you say. We're, we believe Moses. We follow Moses. Well, that's like saying, you know, uh, look at this ham. Look at my sand. Look at this sandwich I have. It's just a piece of ham. Look, you don't have a sandwich. You just have a piece of ham. There's, don't forget the two pieces of bread, you know, new covenant and then the covenant to Abraham, which no one adds to and no one annuls, you see. It's still in effect. Abraham, he's no longer with us today. You know, he will be. But today he's no longer with us. And you say, oh, that contract is dead because, you know, the, the signatories are dead. Contractually speaking, you know, giving you this, uh, speaking in the manner of men. Well, we serve the living God and he never changes. You see, now in verse 20, <clears throat> now, a mediator does not mediate for one only. You see, mediation usually has two parties. There's more complicated mediation in accordance to men. But I'm speaking about this covenant. Mediation has two parties. But God is one. Elohim. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, Elohim. The triune nature of God. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And He never changes. Oh, but the Lord, the Lord is confirming through his word. He wants me to do this. He wants me to do that. He wants this. He wants that. Where did he confirm it? He confirmed it in uh, Romans. Okay. It could be Satan. Oh, no, no, no. He didn't confirm it in Romans. He confirmed it in uh, uh, Hosea. Okay. It could be Satan. Oh, no, no, no. He didn't confirm it. Then. He confirmed it in Leviticus. Okay. It is likely Satan. Are there any other it is also written? Yes. Okay, what? Well, he confirmed it also in Exodus. Okay, now it's even more likely. You add a little likely. You know, act likely plus, likely plus. Now, where else did he confirm it? Numbers. Where else did he confirm it? You know, Exodus. Okay, now, you say it's the Lord, but what does he want you to do? What has he spoken to your heart? What is this peace he has given you? And what does he want you to, what is it? 
He wants me to observe the Sabbath. He wants me to, you know, get this flock of lamb. He wants me to, you know, sacrifice the lambs. He wants me to get turtle doves and sacrifice them. And, you know, he wants me to get a concubine. He wants a... No, that's Satan. That's Satan. Who has presented himself to you as an angel of light. You see? Come out of her, my people. In verse 21... Is the law then against the promises of God? Remember, the law is the additive. It, Jesus Christ is not the additive. It's the law that's the additive. Remember, it's like saying ham is between two slices of bread. You know, ham isn't the bread. Ham is in the middle of the bread. You know, in that, in that example I gave with the sandwich. In verse 21, is the law, is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not, exclamation point. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. You see, that's if, if, that's a big word there. If there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. Now you say, wait a second, well, the, the, the Lord, we're studying Deuteronomy and we read it ourselves. You said it yourself that you have life. Okay. But don't forget, if you break one law, you break them all. If you break one law, you break them all. You are guilty of them all. You see, that's just if you break one. But there is one. There is one who has not broken any law. His name is Jesus Christ. You see? And he says, abide in me and I in you. And he is our strong tower. And it's you and me. We run into him. You see? Now we see this. In verse 22. But the scripture, the scripture has confined all under sin. You see? The scripture has confined all under sin. How many times do you hear us say, we're born into Adam? We are born into Adam. You and me were born into Adam, confined to sin. You see, that's how we were born. And the scripture, the word became flesh, we're confined. That's the condition of man. That's, we were born that way. We were born into Adam. That's the first generation of us, of you, of me. That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. You see, it's not that the when you're born into Adam, it's not that the promise is not for you, but the formula must be followed where once a person who was born into Adam believes in Jesus Christ and is born again into Christ, boom, promise in play, promise for you, you see. People have it the other way around. Oh, Jesus Christ was added to the law. No, he's not the additive. The law is the additive. It's Satan who twists scripture. He presents different formula. He presents himself as an angel of light, but in so doing, he also twists the scripture and presents different formulas, but it's all in accordance to a different spirit with a different gospel, with a different Christ. You see? But as Bereans, we see what the Bible says. 
Old Testament, New Testament. Yes, we study the Torah, but we stand in the New Covenant on this big, enormous rock, which is Christ. And we have these big telescopes. We hold them up to our eyes and we study the Torah with these big telescopes and we look at the Torah through the lens of the New Covenant. Everything New Covenant. You see, we don't get off the rock and walk backwards to the Old Covenant. You see, to that, to the ham, that what's sandwiched in. You see, if what's beautiful, I shouldn't say beautiful. It's, it's not good to walk towards the ham. But what's beautiful is that you got bread on both sides. So if you're in the Hebrew roots movement and you're like, oh, look, we're, we're abiding in the law. Well, look further back and look to the first covenant. You see that of Abraham and understand the seed, which points to Christ. And I say to you, come back to Christ. Come back to the other slice of bread in this example that I've given. You see? But the scripture is confined all under sin in verse 22, that the promise by faith. Now, to be, you, everybody's born into Adam. You and me, we're, when we were born of our mother's womb, born into Adam. We come into this world, boom, born in this world. We're little sinners. We're little sinners. And so what happens is that we grow <clears throat> in this world. We grow in accordance to Adam. And sometimes, like me, when I, was, yeah, I used to make fun of Christians. I used to, yeah, I, I didn't like them because I just, oh, don't judge me. I was of that mentality. I never said it, but I was like, you know, I, I, you know, you want me to go to church? I'm not going to go to church, you know, get out of my face. You know, I used to make fun of Christians. And then I became a Christian. You see, it's not to say that when I wasn't a Christian, that the, the promise was still there, but that promise wasn't effectuated until I became born again. You see, the promise is, and the promise is there for everybody. But that promise is not effectuated in you until you are born again. You must be born again. Now, if you're a non-believer and you're listening, hit pause and listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And you, my beautiful friend, become my beautiful brother, my beautiful sister in Christ Become a believer. Do not be unbelieving anymore. You believe Jesus Christ and receive him by faith. And when you are born again, it's supernatural. When you are born again, boom, those promises effectuated unto you. Why? Because you receive Jesus Christ by faith. You believe Jesus Christ and is done by faith. As is written here, scripture has confined all under sin. That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe born again. Confined under sin, born into Adam. That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe born again. You see? But before faith came, he says in verse 23, before faith, we were kept under guard by the law. Kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. And you know what that law is? We see it here in verse 24. Therefore, the law was our tutor. The law was our schoolmaster. Now, I, I went to, I was in a Catholic school as a kid. I was in Catholic school. And it was a brief moment in time. But as a Christian today, I'm thankful for my Catholic school experience because those nuns were hardcore. 
you know, they had the big rulers and they would hit you and, you know, hit, have you put your hands on the desk. And if you did something wrong, boom, they would smack you on the knuckles. And if you did something really wrong, then you would get a spanking from the principal. That's what would happen. And, you know, there was for little kids. And, you know, one time, you know, I did something really bad. I did several things bad. But, you know, one time it was really bad. And the nun says, OK, go to the principal. And the principal spanked me. And, you know, I got home and I told my dad, you know, this is back in the day when kids walked home. You know, nowadays they have the bus. If you don't have a bus driver, you don't go to school. But back in the real days, back in the olden days, when people weren't so soft, you know, the, the non-snowflake days, kids would walk to school. You know, and so kids, I walked home and then I got home and, you know, I was kind of sad. My dad's like, you know, what, what's the matter? And I said, oh, I got spanked at school. My dad was furious. He says, okay, get in the car. You get in the car. So we get in the car when he drives to school and he looks at me. He, before he gets out of the car, he says, you know, the parking lot was empty because it was like after hours. But the principal, you could see the principal's car was still there. So he was still in the building. <clears throat> and my dad, we get in the parking lot. And my dad, there's nobody, no, no cars in the parking lot. You get in the parking lot, you see the, the principal's car there. And he parks and he looks at me and he says, because this principal did that to you, I want you to watch what I'm going to do to him. I want you to see what I'm going to do to him. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know. And so my dad gets out. He walks to the door and it was locked and he bangs on the door, knocks on it. And you see the principal like, you know, look out the window, you know, and he's like all scared. And my dad told him, hey, come out here right now. You did this to my kid. Now I'm going to do this to you. And so it was like awesome. The principal was like a chicken. He never came out and anything like that. And my dad would have thrashed him, you know. And, you know, to give a lesson, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not advocating violence or anything. I'm just a little childhood experience. You know, that's all it is. A little childhood experience. But what's so powerful is that you see, and then my, the, uh, uh, my dad took me out of Catholic school at that time. Then I went to public school. That was a whole nother ball of, you know, ball of wax, you know, but, you know, but what happened, I love that so much because, you know, what happened is that you see this, I didn't understand it as a kid, but now as a Christian, you know, when I read passages like this in verse 24, therefore the law was our tutor. Now, when I see tutor or schoolmaster, that's what we called like, you know, the, the nuns, they were like schoolmasters, you know, and then they had the principal, they have these different titles. But when I hear this, you know, it's like, whoa, those are like the, they would spank you. They would hit you with the rulers. They would hit you with the sticks. It's like, it was hardcore. I was a kid, you know, for little kids. But that's what I think of. But I shouldn't have said that other story, but it's done. So, you know, there you have it. But that's what I think of. And that's what Paul is saying here in verse 24. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. You see? Because how many, like, have you, before you were a Christian, have you ever been like angry and you're angry before you're a Christian, you're angry and it's like, oh man, you know, I feel like killing this guy, but I'm not going to kill him. Well, that's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. Oh, you're, you're sad. Oh man, I'm so sad. I think I'm just going to put a bullet to my head and it's like, okay, you know, the thought is there, but you don't do it. That's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit who goes into the world to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That's one of the beauties of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uses the law. The law is still holy. You see? The law is still holy. Why? 
because it's a tutor. It's a schoolmaster. Oh, I hate that guy. I'm going to kill him. Well, I'm not going to kill him. I want to kill him, but I'm not going to kill him. You see? Oh, I'm so sad. I'm going to put a bullet in my face. Well, I'm not going to do that. You see, that's the Holy Spirit. Now, prophetically speaking, the Holy Spirit, the restrainer is going to be lifted. Now, people are going to get these thoughts. Oh, I'm going to kill this guy. Now, they're not going to have a restrainer. So now they're going to go kill the guy. The guy, oh, I'm so sad. I'm going to go jump off a bridge. The guy's going to go jump off the bridge. Why? Because there's no restrainer. You know, sexually speaking, oh, look at this lady. I'm going to go rape her. Now, without the Holy Spirit, the restrainer, look, the world is going to be a hell on earth in the last days. Hell on earth. But that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit using the law. You see, using the tutor, the schoolmaster. And I like to think of those nuns, those hardcore nuns who would whip you, you know. And if you were really bad, then the principal would whip you. And that wasn't good. That was like more hardcore whipping. And so, you know, I'm not advocating. If you're in Catholic school, I say this to you as well. Come out of my people. Catholicism is not Christianity. I'm not advocating Catholicism, but the Lord rescued me from Catholicism. But Paul is saying here in verse 23, before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed so like okay say you're sad before christ i speak to christians i speak to the living but if you're not a christian i still speak to those who live because you need to come to christ you see i'm called to teach the living the very fact that you're listening the very fact that you're listening it's not by happenstance this is divine appointment believe in jesus christ believe in him but in your bc days your before christ days say you're sad and you think like oh man i'm so sad i'm gonna put a bullet in my face and so and then you stop you're like well i'm not gonna do that well that's the ministry of the holy spirit and he uses the law which was you know the when the Lord formed us in our mother's womb, eternity was written on our hearts. They were like the prefabrication, so to speak, while we're being formed in our mother's womb. Eternity on our hearts, the knowledge of God. These things are written on our hearts. So it's like, wait a second. So I'm sad. This is BC before Christ. I'm sad. So I'm gonna put a, a put. I'm gonna put the bullet to my face. And it's like, okay, I'm not gonna do that. Well, I'm still sad. And the, the, the Holy Spirit using the tutor, the law, that why am I not going to put a bullet in my face? You see? Or be murder of self. So, okay, now I'm not going to, I don't understand it. I don't understand it because I'm not born again. I don't understand it. But yet I still have this sorrow. And using the law, which is still holy, the lesser glory, the Holy Spirit restrains prevents me this is all supernaturally so i don't put the bullet to my face even though i want to i'm sad i don't do that because i'm restrained by the restrainer using the law which was written on my heart you know prefabbed but then all of a sudden i start to wonder well why is that now hope comes into play now hope comes into play look at all these little spark like pistons look at all these things that are little starting to fire up in a heart and a mind you see and then the lord establishes these divine appointments i'm walking i'm at the grocery store 
and I'm at the grocery store. I say hi to somebody. I cry. The guy crosses me. I say, hey, you know, he says, I say, excuse me. I bump into him. Excuse me. He says, oh, I'm sorry, sir. And then he sees my demeanor. He's like, oh, you okay? And supernaturally, I said, well, I'm kind of sad. Why are you sad? And then I open up. And he opens up. Unbeknownst to me, he's a Christian. You know, or female. Unbeknownst to me, she's a Christian. And the Lord, you know, I think, well, by by happenstance, I ran into you. No, it's not by, it's divine appointment. You see? And then I say, oh, I'm sad. And then the guy starts speaking to me. The lady starts speaking to me about, okay, this, yes, there's sorrow. But look at what this sorrow that we have when we give it to Christ and we abide in Jesus Christ. It's like, wait, wait a second. Who is, who is Jesus? Well, he's the son of God. Oh, okay. That's nice. But what, what, what is it? What? And then it, it get, the gospel gets presented to me. You know, we're born into sin. And if you die without Jesus Christ, you're going to burn in hell. And it's like, whoa. You know, that when the, those are passages that people say, oh, don't, you don't talk about hell when you preach the gospel. Why not? We're to be saved, right? Yes. Saved from what? Saved from what? Hell. Be saved from feelings. I'm going to be saved from being depressed. You know, there's an aspect of, yes, the Lord doesn't want us to be depressed. But ultimately, hell. If I die without Jesus Christ, if anybody dies without Jesus Christ, they will burn in hell. And the Lord sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see? Might be saved because he loves his creation. And so now I'm depressed. I almost committed suicide. I'm so depressed. And then all of a sudden, this guy starts speaking to me. This lady starts speaking to me, gives me the good news, tells me about Jesus Christ. And then I say, you know what? I want that. You know what? I believe in Jesus Christ. Look at all these things that are happening, these little fires that are being ignited in my heart, in my mind, in this temple that I don't even, I don't even know it's a temple. I don't even know it's a temple. The divine appointment, everything. The guy I bumped into at the grocery store, the lady that, you know, I, I walked next to in the parking lot and she saw my demeanor and says, I want, she didn't know that I wanted to put a bullet in my head, you know, the hour, and just an hour ago, I could have been in a pool of blood, you know, but she didn't even know that. But by divine appointment, for such a time as this, the Lord crossed our paths for this reason. And now I become a believer in Jesus Christ. I read the Bible and there's some hardcore passages, but I read the Bible and I start listening. And it's like, wait a second, how can I understand without a teacher? And then the lady says, hey, you know, come to church. This is this guy. He's not a crazy town preacher. You know, listen to what he has to say. Or here, listen to this message here. You got a, a cell phone here. Listen to this message. Listen to this. And that's what, look at what's happening for me who just an hour ago before this conversation, I, I could have been in a pool of blood with a hole in my head. And then all of a sudden I'm a Christian now. I believe in Jesus Christ. You see, but do you see how the Holy Spirit uses the law, which is still holy, but it's the lesser glory, how he uses these things. It's multifaceted. I'm prevented from su I'm prevented from committing suicide. Yes, I'm still sad. I'm prevented from committing suicide by the restrainer 
and then also using the law. And I don't understand this. I don't supernaturally. I do not understand what is happening. But then now this divine appointment happens. And even still, I do not understand what ha what's happening. And the lady, the guy, they don't understand what's happening. But they're just being obedient. They're, they're being obedient to the Lord. And they're acknowledging the Lord before men. You know, a lot of times Christians, they're, they're ashamed to, to, to mention Jesus Christ, you know. You know, instead, I, I bump into a guy, you know, and I'm sad and unbeknownst to him, I almost blew my brains out. And then, you know, are you okay, sir? You know, and then I say, no, I'm kind of sad. I'm kind of depressed. You see? But because Christians are ashamed of Jesus Christ, they say, oh, you know, it's okay. It's okay that you bumped into me. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and get my groceries. I see the lady in the parking lot. She sees my demeanor. And, you know, I, I say hi. She says hi back. And that's it. You see? Because of what Satan has instilled. Satan says, oh, don't, don't talk to this person about Jesus Christ. You see? But no, you, you drop little seeds. You drop little seeds. Divinable. You don't know where the, the divine. You wake up in the morning. You have a plan for the day. No, let Jesus establish your plan for the day. You see? These divine appointments. And so now I'm a Christian. The lady gave me Jesus Christ. She's not my sister in Christ. I'm her brother in Jesus Christ. I'm a baby brother. And then she mentions, oh, you know, it's dangerous to be a baby. Here, listen to these, this series on 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and you'll learn how to grow and mature in Christ. So I listen. I'm like, whoa, this is hardcore. This is nuts. And now I start to realize I was sad because it was the fruit of my own doing. You see? I was sad because, you know, I, I bought meth that I thought was the finest meth from Chiapas, Mexico. I understood it was manufactured in Detroit. And that's why I was sad. That's why I wanted to blow my brains out because I was sad. And then as a Christian, as I grow and mature in Christ, I realized, well, wait a second. I was sad because it was the fruit of my own doing, my own stupidity. I didn't understand it then. But yet the Holy Spirit, the restrainer using the law brought me all along for such a time as this. You see, that's kind of like a little picture of what is being said here because in verse 22, the scripture has confined all under sin. That's us in Adam. That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. That's born again into Christ. But before faith came, that's in my in my BC example, the B fork when I wanted to commit suicide. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Kept under guard using the law, which is still holy, the lesser glory. I didn't commit suicide. You see? kept for the faith and the lord established the divine appointment the lady in the parking lot all of a sudden now i'm a christian now i'm of the faith i believe in jesus christ the promises to abraham which is on one slice of this one end of the sandwich and then on the other end of the sandwich is still the same promise you see and all those promises are now effectuated they are applicable to me they were not applicable to me when i was outside of christ but now they are when I'm abiding in Christ. You see, kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. And that's what the law does. Therefore, in verse 24, the law was our tutor, schoolmaster, like those nuns, those nasty, nasty nuns who hit really hard. You know, they spank really hard. They have these big old sticks and, you know, right across the knuckles. And it hurts. Or the legs, you know, right on the thigh. It hurts. 
smack you on the head, and you're a little kid. It hurts. And if you're really bad, they send you the principal. And that's like, you know, the death sentence, practically. But that's what I think of when I see the tutor. It's like, wow, that's hardcore. The law was our tutor. The purpose, I'm not, you know, it's saying that the, the, you're saying the law is Catholic. I'm just giving an example of what I think of when I think of tutor or schoolmaster. That's just where my mind goes because of my past history. And that's it. Catholicism, it's, it's not Christianity. It's a trap. Catholicism is a lie from the pit of hell. The Pope, he needs to read his Bible. He needs to read. I don't even know if he knows. G- I mean, he needs the Bible. Somebody needs to give him the gospel. Then he can make a choice if he wants to be a Christian or not. But he's not a Christian. He's the Pope of Rome. And so, and if you're a Catholic, I love you. And I say it to you as well. Come out of her, my people, and believe in Jesus Christ. You see? Not in accordance to the Vatican I, Vatican II. No. Jesus Christ, the Bible, the Word became flesh. Genesis to Revelation. But that's the concept. That's, that's how we see it. The law, the Holy Spirit, the restrainer, using the law to bring us to Christ. That that example I gave where I wanted the divine appointment, I wanted to commit suicide, the divine appointment, and then now the lady is my sister, I'm her brother, and we're growing, we're, we're growing in Christ. That's how it works. That's how, I mean, it's a pretty basic layout of how it works. There's simplicity in Christ. People like to comment. Imagine if I told the lady, oh, I'm sad. And she says, well, you know, you're predestined to hell. And I says, oh, you know, what if I opened up to her and says, I I wanted to blow my brains out an hour ago. Oh, you're predestined to hell. Okay, now I'm really going to blow my brains out. You see? What's the point? If I'm predestined to hell, she's a Christian. She has her Bible. I see it. You know, she has her Christian stickers on her car. And she says, you know, she has her study Bible. You know, her, you know, uh, the certain study Bible that, that the guy who says it's okay to take the mark of the beast. She has her style. Well, surely she knows what she's talking about. And she tells me I'm predestined to hell. Okay. What's the point then? I'm going to go blow my brains out. You see? Well, that, that's the danger of false doctrine. That's one of many dangers of false doctrine. But what hope does it present? You see? That's the, that's the off ramp into this holy highway that we see here. That's the off-ramp, you know. Don't, that's like a trap where Satan doesn't want people to come to Christ. He, he will fight tooth and nail to prevent anybody from believing in Jesus Christ. And when people do believe in Jesus Christ, he will fight tooth and nail to keep people as babies so they don't grow. Look at Corinth. But then when people mature, he will fight tooth and nail, and then he uses the Bible. For babies, he uses the strippers, the pornography, the crack, the meth, the, those, the easy Easy fishing, not hard at all. Piece of cake. But for those who love the Lord and fear the Lord and desire not to be lukewarm and fully committed to Jesus Christ, and then Satan comes in and he uses the Torah. And he sends his messengers, he sends his servants of Satan. He says, oh yeah, you know, thus saith the Lord, let's read what Deuteronomy says. Thus saith the Lord, let's read what Leviticus says. You see? And the God-fearing, God-loving soul says, you know what? You're right. The Bible does say that. Okay, therefore, I'm going to start doing these things. The feasts, the festivals. You see, it's a trap. It's a trap. In verse 24, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Not the law. Justification by faith in Jesus Christ. You see? 
How beautiful. This holy highway that where I wanted to blow my brains out. And on this holy highway, look at what the Lord has done. And in this example, I'm depressed. I'm sad. So full of sorrow that I want to end it. And so I take a gun, I put it to my face, and it's like, you know, I'm like my my fingers like tremoring on the trigger. And then supernaturally, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I mean, now I know. But in that particular moment, I have no clue. But then I stop. And I think, well, I don't want to kill myself. I mean, I want to kill myself, but I don't want to kill myself. I mean, Unbeknownst to me, because the blueprints of the law, the, 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 the law was written on my heart, it's in my conscience. Now, I'm not going to kill myself. Self-murder? No, I'm not going to do that. And the Holy Spirit, using the law, now in my conscience, because that was like ingrained on my heart. Read Ecclesiastes. And in the Restrainer, capital R, the Holy Spirit says, no, don't do that. You see, and that same restrainer, the Holy Spirit, says to the lady across town, you know what, go get some groceries. It's time for you to go get some groceries. And at the same time, on the, I'm on the other side of town, equal distance. And I say, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of hungry. I'm going to go get a hamburger. I'm depressed and, you know, I like to eat when I'm depressed. So that's why I'm chubby. You know, so I'm depressed. So I'm going to go get a burger, some tater tots, you know. And so I go to the store and boom, I see the lady. She sees me. I bump into her. She bumps into me. Whoever, the bump happens. She sees my demeanor. I say, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. She says, are you okay? Because she sees me. She's like the, the you know, you see tears in people's eyes. Well, you know, you see the tears, but you see the, like the stain on their cheek. She sees that. And I say, well, you know, I'm not doing okay. You know, I, I'm just going to get a burger, but you know what? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing so hot. She said, what's the matter? I said, well, I, I don't know why I'm saying this, but an hour ago, I, I almost committed suicide. Now, say she's Calvinist or Reformed. She says, well, you're predestined for hell. So, you know, no big deal. I'm going to go buy my groceries, you see. But she's not a Calvinist. She bought, follows the Bible. She's not Reformed. She follows the truth of the Bible. Now, if you're Calvinist or Reformed, listen to our study through Romans chapter 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. You'll understand more. And I say to you as well. Come out of her, my people. Abide in Christ. You see? So say she's not a Calvinist. Say she's not Reformed. She says, well, you're, you're predestined for hell, so there's no hope for you. No. She says, okay, well, I'm glad you didn't kill yourself. But then she starts telling me more about hope. About Jesus Christ. You know, she felt kind of scared at first. Like, I, I shouldn't mention Jesus Christ because... You know, maybe he doesn't like, maybe he, you know, he's, he does drugs, he does alcohol. I don't know what I was going to respond. So, uh, you know, in her mind, she's thinking like, I'm not going to do this because I'm scared. But then she remembers, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my father. So she says, okay, Lord. And now she starts to tell me about Jesus Christ. And now what's happening, look at all these little Gears that are turning in my heart. Gears that are turning in my mind. Holy, holy gears. You see? And then all of a sudden she says, you know what? I'm like crying again. Except it's like, it's like good tears. Like, is this really true? Is it? All I have to do is believe in Jesus Christ? And you say she's still reformed. She's still Calvinist. She says, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And 
Well, she, she has it, says I'm predestined to hell. And I say, yeah, I want to. And she gives me this big fat book. Okay, here, memorize the catechisms. You see? All these off-ramps that Satan puts in play, you know, for people to come to Jesus Christ and all these off-ramps, you know. Oh, this guy's predestined for hell. This lady's predestined to hell. Don't bother with him. Don't bother with her. See, off-ramp. Oh, yeah. Give them this big fat booklet. Tell them to memorize everything so they can know the catechisms. You see, Satan has all these off-ramps. But say this lady's not a Calvinist. She's not reformed. She believes the Bible. The real Jesus in accordance to the word of God. Genesis to Revelation. The word became flesh. So now all of a sudden she says, do you want to receive Jesus Christ? Straight up right here, right now. And I got tears in my eyes. Is it really that easy? I'm like crying. She says, yeah, it's that easy. She tells me her testimony. Look, this is how easy it was for me. And I say, okay, let's do it. And she leads me to Christ right then, right there. Boom. As soon as that, you know, in Jesus' name, amen. And boom, as soon as that happens, these promises of God are effectuated. Now it's for me. They've been for her because she's been a Christian for, say, 20 years. And now it's effectuated in me. You see? Do you see this, this holy, like, roadway, this holy pathway, this holy highway that the Lord has brought me on? Using the law and the Holy Spirit. You see, the law as the still holy, the lesser glory, but yet it's still in effect. Using the law as a tutor to bring me to Christ. You see, and that's what Paul is saying here in verses uh, 22 to 24, 22 to 25. Now, now that I am in Christ, using that same example in verse 25, after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Why? Because the law is over. The law is over. Those promises to Abraham, now they apply to me by faith in Jesus Christ. And I am grafted in, yes, to Israel, as Romans 11 teaches. But ultimately, Abraham. When many, many, many moons ago, Abraham, by himself in the wilderness, outside at the night, child, an old man, no kids, he's old, his wife is old, no kids, she's barren. And he says, Abraham, look up at the sky. And Abraham looks up at the sky. And the Lord tells him, your kids are going to be like that. You're going to have more descendants than the stars that you see. You see, and Abraham believed him and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Pre-law, pre-law, but yet the promises were made. You see, people look to Moses, you know, the Ten Commandments, they say, oh, this is the law, this is the law, this is the law. But the law is the additive. Jesus Christ isn't the additive to the law. Jesus Christ is the seed of promise. It's given to Abraham pre-law. It's the law that is the additive. Satan twists it, tricking people because he wants to trap people. He wants people to be justified by the works of the law because he wants people to die in accordance to the law. Why? Because he's going to hell and he will burn in hell, the lake of fire, and he wants to drag people with him. You see, he uses for the non-believers, he doesn't have to worry about them. He's got them. For the baby Christians, he's got them, uh, not all of them, but for the baby Christians that are don't have a teacher, they have a defunct pastor, a defunct elder, 
He'll use the crack, the drugs, the sex, the lukewarm, the lukewarm like the type. He uses the piece of cake. But to the bigger fish that love the Lord and fear the Lord, he uses the Bible. He uses the Torah as a trap. You see? But on this holy highway, we understand what the law does and how the Holy Spirit, yes, uses the law. But when we are in faith, we are no longer under the law. We are no longer under a tutor. Now that these promises, in that example I gave, now that it's effectuated in me now, it's still for the lady, but it's for me now. I'm a fresh believer. Now look what happens in verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You see? For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You see? It's like it translates as to be sinking into a garment. And I love that. You ever see like a, a little kid wearing big old pajamas, like a big old shirt? He's like sinking into these pajamas. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. It's to be sinking into a garment. And it's so powerful. So powerful, so beautiful. Now I'm abiding in Christ in that example. I'm abiding in Christ. I'm no longer under a tutor because the tutor has done his job. The tutor has done the job of bringing me to Christ. And the Holy Spirit using the law, the lesser glory, to do just that. Bring me along on this holy highway. You see? For as many as of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Jew or Gentile. You see? This is for all who have put on Christ. Not those who are going to the law or doing the works of the law. Those who are, who are abiding in Christ, to whom the promises to Abraham are effectuated through faith in Jesus Christ. Those people, a people of the way, a remnant of these last days, those who are abiding in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus, you see, remember verse 20, for a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Now look, <laughs> abiding in Christ, you see how beautiful, not that we are to perform the works of the law, because in verse 12, the man, it's lowercase m here, the man who does them shall live by them. Who is the man who did it? The, the uppercase M. That man is Jesus Christ. He is the one who has done the works of the law. You and me, we are the ones who abide in him. And in abiding in him, we put on Christ as in sinking into a garment. We do it today by faith. But the Lord is going to clothe us in white garments one day in our glorified bodies. One day it will come to pass. You see? You are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, the liberals of today, the universalists, the uh, 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 Lutherans, Methodists, the uh, Episcopals, that's, oh yeah, unity, we're all one in Christ. No, 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 no. Not unity with that. That's crazy town doctrine. I'm talking about the truth of God's holy word, Genesis to Revelation. You see? The saints... In accordance to the formula, in accordance to the formula, 
We are one in Christ, but we must follow the formula, the blueprints. You see? Now look, you know, in my example I gave where I'm a brand new believer, I was suicidal, but now I'm a brand new believer and there was a divine appointment where the Holy Spirit says, okay, you're sad, yes, but don't, don't, you know, don't pull the trigger, don't do that, and so I don't do it. And now, you know, I get the munchies and say, okay, I, you know, I'm sad, so instead of doing this, instead of suicide, I'm going to go get a burger, you know, because I like to eat when I'm sad. And so all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit Across town says this lady, okay, go get your groceries. Now is the time for you to go get your groceries. You see? And the Lord is the one establishing these divine appointments. And she's not a Calvinist or she's not a reformed where she says, well, you're going to burn in hell. So, you know, you're predestined for hell. No, she gives me Jesus Christ. You see? She gives me Jesus Christ. And I receive Jesus Christ by faith. Now look what happens. All these promises, boom, effectuated. A brand new believer. Now the fight. You know, Satan's mad. Because Satan thought like, man, you know, he almost blew. I almost got him to blow his brains out. But God stopped him. You see? And Satan knows he's going to burn in hell. So now that I'm a new believer, Satan will fight tooth and nail to keep me a young believer. Because he knows babies are easy to defeat. Babies are easy to fight. You see? And then I grow, I mature, same example, except now it's several years in, we're several years deep now, and I grow, and I mature, I love the Lord, I fear the Lord, you know, I'm not lukewarm, I don't, you know, Satan uses the sex and the drugs, and he's tried it, and I, I didn't take the bait. And so now, all of a sudden, you know what he does? I love, the, he knows I love the Lord, and I fear the Lord. And just like Balak, you know what he does? He uses the Bible. He uses the Bible. You see? Oh, look, the Torah says this. Oh, look, God says this in Deuteronomy. Oh, look, God says this in Leviticus. Presenting himself as an angel of light, thus saith the Lord. Oh, yeah, I'm going to whisper in your ear and you're going to say it. The Lord spoke to my heart. You see, because he wants me to leave Jesus. He wants this, that when I put on Jesus Christ, he wants me to take off Jesus Christ and go to the law. Where there is death. Horeb. You see? That's what he desires. Because he knows he's he, he knows he's gonna burn in hell. And he was gonna drag me with him, you know, when I was in the world doing the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And he almost got me when I blew my brains out. But the Lord, using the law, the restrainer, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, divine appointment. The Lord working on one side of town and me, the other side of town with the lady. We go to the, we meet up at the groceries. I mean, it's a divine appointment. We don't even, I mean, like we don't, we're not planning to meet. We just, it just so happens that this is how it works out. And the lady, she doesn't say you're, you know, you're predestined for hell. She gives me Jesus Christ. I become a believer. I grow mature. I love the Lord. I fear the Lord. Now Satan says, I can't get him with the crack. I can't get him with the sex. I can't get him with the pornography. I can't get him with the gambling. I can't get him with Buddha. I can't get him with Mary. I can't get him with this. I can't get him with that. I'm going to use the Bible. You see? And it's a seduction. Seduction. These men secretly brought in servants of Satan who will say, you know, just like the divine appointment I gave with the lady. Now there's another divine appointment with another lady. I'll use a guy this time. 
Now there's another, not divine appointment, but there's another appointment that's a satanic attack with a guy. And he presents himself as a minister. You know, he's got the little black shirt, the little white collar, the little white thing. Yeah, the, 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 I'm doing my air quotes, how the teachers wear, the ministers wear. He bumps into me. I, oh, how you doing, sir? Oh, you know, he sees me and he says, oh, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, Jesus Christ. I say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, and unbeknownst to me, because I'm not at that level of maturity yet, he starts speaking about Jesus Christ. And I'm thinking he's speaking about the Jesus Christ of the Bible. But unbeknownst to me, he's talking about a different Jesus Christ. He's got a nice smile on his face. He's got the glasses. He looks smart. You know, he tells me that when he was in university theology school, he went to seminary over here. He says he's a minister. The Lord put on his heart to minister and love on the community. And then he starts to try to drop these bombs. Emphasizing Leviticus, emphasizing Deuteronomy, numbers. Oh yeah, God says this over here in Deuteronomy. God says, look in Horeb, look what happened over here, Israel. Look at this mountain. Look at all these things that are happening. You know, the Lord spoke to them over here. You see? And all of a sudden, it's like a seduction. I start to listen. Hmm, that sounds interesting. Yeah, you're right. The Bible does say it. You know, he says, pull out your phone. You have your Bible app? I say, yeah. He says, pull out your phone. Turn to the Deuteronomy over here. Numbers over here. Leviticus over here. Look. Thus saith the Lord. Look. Unbeknownst to me, he's presenting a different Jesus with a different spirit. The Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will never lead anybody to the law. Never. Never. But He uses the law to lead people to Christ. You see? The servants of Satan, they twist Scripture. They know the Scriptures. And they twist Scriptures. It's a trap to kill you. Because Satan wants you dead. You see, it's an attack. So divine appointment with the lady and satanic attack with the minister. You see, the minister, the guy who went to seminary school, which I call cemetery. The guy who went to cemetery school. He's got the smile on his face. He's got the, like, you know, stickers on his car. He's, uh, he's got the degrees on his wall. He's got all these things. But he's a servant of Satan, the real servant of the Lord was the lady. Never went to, didn't go to seminary. Didn't go to Bible college. Didn't do this. She was just obedient. A heart fully circumcised to the Lord. The Lord says, you know what? Go get your groceries now. She hops up, gets in her car, goes to the grocery store. And right when she parks, she got, you know, walks past her car, walks past other cars. And it just so happens that I'm getting out of, and I'm so hungry, I got to dart out and get my hamburger. It just so happens that I'm getting out of my car at the same time. Boom, we bump into each other. Divine appointment. Not a satanic attack. Divine appointment. She never went to seminary. No theology degree, no nothing. But she knows her Bible. And she loves the Lord and she fears the Lord. She's not Calvinist. She's not Reformed. She doesn't say, oh yeah, you're predestined for hell. You know, get out of my face. You're, you're going to burn in hell. Go ahead and take the mark of the beast if you want. And if, if, you know, if you are, if you're, if you're, if it just so happens that you're predestined for heaven, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. You see? That's, that's what the servants of Satan do. The servants of Satan, 
deviate from scripture, deviate from the truth, deviate from the formula, deviate from the blueprints, we must always, 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 always follow the formula. You see? And all these promises of God are now effectuated in you and in me. The promises when the Lord says to Abraham, look up, your descendants are going to be like the stars. That's you. You're like one of those stars. To Abraham, by faith. Abraham looks up at the stars. Wow. My descendants are going to be more in number to this. And the Lord, yes. Remember, he's an old man. His wife is an old lady. She's barren, can't have kids. And when the promise was given to the Lord, they both laughed. Different times, but they both laughed. You see? It's, it's by faith. God's ways are not our ways. His ways are not my ways. His ways are not your ways. But we abide in Christ. You see? And he says this in verse 29 in closing. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. No mention of Moses. Remember, it's Moses that was added. He was the mediator of, of the covenant that was added. Moses is the additive. The law is the additive. The law is the ham. But on one side of the ham is a slice of bread. On the other slice of the ham is another slice of bread. You see? If you are Christ, in verse 29, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see, the formula. This is the right formula. Hebrew roots, it's a trap from the pit of hell. Satan uses it and he uses his ministers to present these traps of the Hebrew roots movement. A big problem that happened in the church of Galatia, a people, saints, who were trying to achieve salvation through the law in doing the works of the law. You see? But there's only one man who has done the works of the law. His name is Jesus. Actually done the works. Remember, if you fail in one, you fail in all. And there's only one who has not failed in all. He fulfilled all. And his name is Jesus Christ. And it is him that you and I abide in where there is his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And it's him that we put on. We sink into that garment. We're going to end our study here. And I fully realize, I fully understand that if you're Hebrew roots and you're in Hebrew roots, these are very difficult passages. Very, very difficult passages. But we study the Bible verse by verse, line upon line, precept upon precept, and you can see it for yourself. Oh, I'm of the law. I'm of the law. Hear the law, my beautiful friend. And if your Hebrew roots come out of her, my people, repent. Listen to the message how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And you commit your life to Jesus Christ and you abide in him. Same if you're not a believer. Same if you're lukewarm. I mean, I kind of mentioned a lot of, if you're Calvinist, Reformed, Catholic, everybody. He's got a big house, you know. There's a lot, there, there's a lot of room in this house of Christ. There's a lot of room. Come inside to the beautiful people of the way. God bless you. I love you.